Good morning, friend. Happy Sunday. We are taking a day off, Lisa and I, and Tata just need a, need a day to catch up, and uh, I'm going to bring you something old here, an episode from a couple of years ago called Power and Finesse. It's a great little thought about the kind of dueling forces that we need in our lives sometimes between power and finesse. We're going to take a day off. I'll be back at you with Mind Change Monday tomorrow, and I hope you have an amazing day. To remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and to do that, my friend, you have to start today. Good morning, my friend. It is four o'clock in the morning. Can you believe it? I can't really believe how fast this year's going. And we just this past week um, passed our one year anniversary of starting our new practice here in North Platte, Nebraska. And boy, I can't believe a year's gone by already, but it has, and it's it's amazing. Lisa and I were looking out last evening around sundown, and we were thinking about all the things we've seen in this last year, and. Um, it's been kind of amazing to watch the river and just to look out at that ground uh, in our backyard and watch the river change over the course of the last year. And we just thought about all the different things we've seen. We've seen, you know, sunrises and sunsets and full moons and crescent moons and blood moons and harvest moons and, and uh, meteor showers. And, and we've seen deer and coyotes and pheasants and geese and grouse and, and uh, just hundreds of species of animals, coyotes and all kinds of stuff. And, and the weather and the frozen water and, and then the low water and the high water and just springtime happening. And it's just been an amazing thing to look out the same viewpoint for 360 some odd days already and see the changes that are happening around us. And it's just kind of a microcosm of life, isn't it? We, we sometimes get so busy. And I thought about this in Wyoming. Like I was so busy in Wyoming. I was on call almost every day at a busy trauma center. There was no help. We were having a real neurosurgery shortage. And for almost four years, I was on call 300 days plus a year. And we lived in this beautiful place with beautiful mountains and incredible scenery. And mostly what I saw was the inside of a hospital or the inside of our house. I usually left home before sunrise and got home after dark almost almost every day. And Lisa and I were talking about how here in Nebraska we're still working really hard. But we are able to notice we have just enough space because it was not a trauma center so i'm not getting called in at night as much and therefore i'm not as tired and we're just it's it's, the experience is just better um in terms of our lifestyle so we're working really hard but but we're having a little bit more time in the evenings to watch the sunset and in the mornings to watch the sunrise and and it's just been kind of amazing and so i I just want to encourage you to Stop being so busy that you don't notice the fact that the sun rises and sets every day, that the moon does come up wherever you are. There are stars wherever you are. There are sunrises and there are rainbows and, and there's stuff to see. If you live in a big city, there's still stuff to see. Notice there's there's probably hawks or peregrine falcons around if you're in a city, if you pay attention up, up, up high. And there certainly are doves and pigeons and, and birds you can notice for the things that they do. And there's lots of people around who are living lives in their heart and they're also beautiful and just take a minute and we're so grateful for this year and for the people at Great Plains that have stepped up to work with us to try to make a difference in people's lives and for the over 1,000 people already that we've seen in our office and and uh, we're just really grateful for year two and to see what happens and and uh, very, very grateful every day that Lisa made this decision with me. Well, something happened in the OR this week that made me think about you. Um, I was doing a, a really delicate um, job to try to decompress a nerve, and, and the and the thing I was working on required a, a, a couple of different um, 
seemingly opposite sets of skills. And it dawned on me that this, this conversation about some of the things that we have to do in the operating room is really applicable to our faith journey and how we live our lives. And I thought I would just kind of share some musings on paradox, um, on baseball, on things that sound opposite but, but have to coexist at the same time and how to be tender in a really hard world. So we're just kind of chat about some of those things. And as always, my friend, we're going to start today. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. That place is called self-brain surgery. You can learn it and it will help you become healthier, feel better, and be happier. And the good news is you can start today. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery to get it done if you like the show. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. Hey, before we get started, um, I've told you before about my friend John Swanson. He's a hospital chaplain and a great writer out in Indiana. He's been on the show a couple of times. I'm going to hopefully wrangle him uh, again sometime to get back on the show and talk about some more stuff. But um, John writes a little blog called 300 Words a Day. It's the, the number 300wordsaday.com. 300wordsaday.com is the website to get on the list and get the blog emailed to you every day. And it's just short little thoughts that always have something powerful in them. Every, every time he says something that just that just gets me. Um and this week, uh, he, he had a post that I wasn't expecting to be blown away that day by what something John said, but, but I was. And let me just share with you for a second, because I want to kind of take this little thought and, and add it to what I was planning on talking. This is not scripted. I'm just kind of shooting off the hip, and I rem- remembered, remembered this post about John that John wrote, and I wanted to share it with you. He, he, it, it was uh, two days ago, on uh, June 24th, yeah, on... Uh, 300wordsaday.com, and he wrote about, the title was Don't You Care, and it was basically about the time that Jesus and the guys were in the boat during this storm, right? Jesus was asleep, and the storm came on, and he was was sleeping peacefully when they were terrified that they were going to sink because of this horrible storm, and they basically wake Jesus up, and they're kind of mad. They're like, don't you care? We're about to sink and drown here. Are you ignoring us? Are you not paying attention? The things we're going through are scary, and they're hurtful, and we're, and we're nervous, and we're worried, and you're sleeping. God, where are you? Don't you care about us? And John says this, the way Jesus responded to the storm was to speak to it, to remind the disciples that the one who told stories could use those words to stop storms. That makes the stories more powerful. That gives the stories weight. So when a voice that can stop waves says, hey, love one another, it's not a suggestion. It's a command that you can do. It's a doable command. When a voice that can stop the wind says, hey, I am with you always, it's not a possibility. It's a promise. I get this. This is what John said. But the promise isn't to stop every storm, to heal every illness, to reverse every death. 
The promise is to be with us in the storm. I added that. The, John said the promise is to be with us. So here's the, here's the message, okay? We have to trust that the guy in the boat who's sleeping does care about us. But the reason he's sleeping is because he's got the power to stop the storm if he wants to, if that's the best thing in that moment. He can speak into our storms of our lives, but he can also ride, he will also ride in the boat with us. And it won't sink because he's with us. And he's got the power to say, hey, love one another. Hey, I'm with you. Hey, forgive your brother when he sins against you. Trust me, ride this storm out with me. It's going to be okay. I'm going to speak into it. You can speak into it. We're going to get through it together. So I just, I thought that was an amazing, powerful, um, very, very just insightful thing. The, the stories are more powerful because they have, Jesus' words have the power to stop the storm. That's the kind of stuff John writes every day. It kind of blows my mind with something. So I just wanted to share that with you. And you should sign up for his uh, 300 words a day blog. It's very powerful. But but that was a total aside I wasn't planning on. But I wanted to share that with you. And it, it is relevant to what we're going to talk about in a minute. But I have so much to thank John for. Some of it is incubating in my mind for an episode that I want to do. And I'm going to, hey, John, if you're listening, I'm putting you on notice. I'm going to invite you to be back on the show someday soon. But the other day on Instagram, he, he makes these little pithy, little tiny comments that end up in my brain all day long. And I'm thinking about him. He does it on Twitter, too. Thank you for that, John. But the other day, he, he mentioned a podcast that he was listening to with Kate Baller, who's one of my favorite writers. Kate Baller wrote an amazing book called Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved that you should read. I'll put the link in the show notes. And another writer named Kelly Corrigan, who's also written some amazing books. I've read a couple of them. Um, and and they were doing a podcast together. I, I love both of their writings. So when I heard John mention that it was a helpful episode, I thought, well, I'll go listen to it. So yesterday morning in my quiet time, after I finished reading my Bible and doing all that stuff, I listened to that episode while I was writing. And it was just a it's a mind-blowing conversation that these two had about life and faith and death and, and the crazy things that Christians say to try to make each other feel better or how we are heat-seeking missiles for story. Like sometimes you can't help yourself. If somebody says, oh, I've got cancer, and you can't help yourself, you're like, oh, well, you know, maybe you need to change your diet or, or maybe your grandfather had it. Maybe you inherited it from him. Like we want to try to understand it and solve it for him instead of, being with him in the pain or we want to say gosh you know god has a plan he, he's got a he's got a story he's got something he's going to do to redeem this for you he, he was he, when you when your son died you know he's in a better place now we say those kinds of things they're not helpful <laughs> christian platitudes are not helpful in those moments so i'm going to put a link to the show note in that episode john um dropped it and i listened to it and it was powerful and it'll help you too but in the process of listening to that I came across something that they said that actually lined up exactly with this episode I was going to do for you today. That's how it works, right? So we put all this stuff out there in the world. We encounter a book. We share it on social media. Somebody reads it. They find something that ministers to them in that moment. They read it, and they pass it on to somebody else, and they find something else completely unrelated, but it's relevant to what they're going through. And that's what happens when you share your lives with other people, when you're vulnerable, and you share the things that you're reading, and you share the things that are encouraging you, and you share the Word. And that's how the word, the Holy Spirit, I think, works as a community, ministers to a building community of people if you're willing to share what's on your heart and what you're going through. We, we always find somebody who's got something to help you. And that is, in my opinion, a ministry of the Holy Spirit. So in this episode that John shared that I wouldn't have heard recently, I probably would never have heard if John hadn't shared it, 
that I listened to because of my respect for him found something that's relevant to what I was going to share with you today. And let me tell it to you. On on that episode, Kelly and Kate were talking about an experience that Kelly had when she interviewed um, a Yale uh, philosophy professor on her podcast. So a podcast I haven't even heard yet they were talking about. So Kelly Corgan told a story about a bat mitzvah that she attended and heard a speech from a rabbi. And the rabbi said that being an adult is learning how to keep something in each of your front pockets at the same time. In one pocket where you can reach in and put your hand on all the time is this idea that you are a unique, never to be repeated in all the universe, special, chosen, individually created miracle of God, that you are unique and special and you have a purpose and you're created for something in this moment to accomplish something that only you can do because God loves you and built you for just this purpose. So you have that in your pocket. You can reach in and pull that stone out and look at it and remember that identity about yourself all the time. But in the other pocket, you have a memory, an acknowledgement that, that you are a small tiny part of a huge number of billions and billions and billions of people who are all going through hard things and are all experiencing things and they're all trying to find their potential and their place in the world and their their spot and they're all going through hard things. So you got this huge balance between being a small part of an infinite number of people with problems and issues and everybody's in the same boat and this other piece that you have a special purpose and you are unique and the things you're going through are for a, a purpose and a plan and you're crafted and you're fearfully and wonderfully made. So you've got to balance. If you want to be a, a healthy, humble, happy adult human, you have to find the way to thread the needle in your life between that that almost meaninglessness of being a tiny part of this infinite pile of humanity and also that you are indeed special and that you have a unique purpose and plan and place in this life. And God is not just asleep in the boat. He is with you. And so if you overly focus on yourself, as Mark Rogap said, and suffering tends to individualize us. We, we tend to focus on our suffering. We, we tend to be like Jeremiah who spent two chapters of Lamentations talking about all the bad things that are happening in Jerusalem and how the king's been murdered and every, all the prophets are dead and the women have been pillaged and the, and the gold and silver have been stolen and all this stuff that's happened to Jerusalem. And in the first verse of chapter 3, he says, I am the man who has seen affliction. Like he makes it all about himself. And that's what we can do if we overly focus on, wait, I'm supposed to be this unique, special person, but why do I have cancer? I'm supposed to be this unique, special person that God loves, and he's asleep in the boat because my son died. I'm supposed to be this unique, special person that God loves, and there's a plan and a purpose for me, but my wife left me, or my business went bankrupt, or I got laid off, or my dad died from COVID-19, or, or whatever. And, and if you individualize it, and you, and you only focus on the fact that you are individual and unique, and then something bad happens to you, and your circumstance rocks your reality, then you can really get way off. Or you can become a really selfish, self-centered person who only cares about you and your agenda because you're so special and look how wonderful you are, right? And the flip side is if you if you focus on the fact that there's 7 billion people on the planet and there's lots of suffering and there's lots of hard things and I'm no better than anybody else and there's, you know, what's the point of life and I'm, you know, what can I do to make a difference? There's so much poverty. How could I possibly do anything about it? There's so much trouble. How could I ever help it? What, what does it matter anyway? You know, I'm probably going to fail anyhow. I'm not that smart. I, I don't have that kind of resource. How can I make a difference, right? If you focus on the 
the infinite number of people and the infinite number of problems and the infinite nature of the universe, you can really get lost and it can seem meaningless and purposeless. And so Kelly Corrigan talked about this fact that the formula for adulthood, the formula for how to be happy and humble and successful and to live in community with other people is to just honor your own unique God-given potential and at the same time understand that everybody else is too. That really the whole purpose of everybody's life is to just try to figure out how to get through it in a meaningful way, right? Victor Frankl said, and I'm sorry to quote Victor Frankl, seems so cliche, but the, the guy changed my thought process about this. He said, suffering ceases to be suffering when you give it meaning and purpose. And so, friend, if you're going through something hard and you can find a way to use that to help other people not have to quite taste it so much, or if you can find a way to give somebody a little step up out of the pit of, of despair or the furnace of suffering because you figured out that you survived it and you can maybe give them some insight on how to, to go there with them, then that's, that's, that's threading that needle between the two things in those pockets, between it's all about you and it doesn't matter because everybody's, there's so much you know, depravity that how could I ever make a difference? And all of that to say that what I wanted to talk to you about today is the, the notion between something that I have to do in the operating room. And I was, I was trying to decompress this. This gentleman has a really badly pinched nerve in the neck. And it's coming off the spinal cord. It's very delicate surgery, right? You're, you're trying to take a bone spur that's digging into a nerve that causes arm pain and weakness and is pressing on the spinal cord. And, and if the surgery doesn't go well, you could paralyze somebody. I mean, you literally, I could, I could paralyze somebody and they could never walk again. I've never done that, but it could happen. And what happens is the, the bone spur is really tough. It's, it's, it's bone, right? It's hard. And I've got to take this little instrument and we're talking about a nerve that's about the size of a really small straw, like those little bitty ones that you stir coffee with, right? That, that's about the size of a cervical nerve root. It's a little tiny thing. And I've got this big bone spur, and I've got this metal instrument called a curette, and I'm trying to break that bone spur off of that nerve. And it takes a lot of power. You have to, you have to kind of use your big muscles of your arm to, to move that instrument in a way that'll break that bone spur off the nerve. But at the same time, as soon as it breaks, you got to put the brakes on your muscles and use the small muscles in your hand to stop that curette from going on to hit the nerve because you could tear the nerve or damage it and cause trouble. So you got to have this power, but you also have to have finesse. Like you have to have, you have to have this balance between strength and softness, between power and finesse. And I was thinking about that, and it's true of orthopedic surgeons, it's true of general surgeons, that the work of surgery requires us to do some hard things, some big, heavy things. In orthopedics and in spine surgery that I do a lot, we have to, to hit things with hammers. We have bones that have delicate structures in them. We have to, to you know, to pound wires and sometimes drive screws and drill and do, and do big, hard, powerful things to set fractures and to realign vertebrae and to elevate skull fractures and all those things. We have to do some hard things, but at the same time, we have to re remember that there are delicate and, and, and easily injured and potentially life altering things right around the power that require great finesse and great amounts of delicacy. And it's a constant balancing act. It's a constant tightrope walk between power and finesse. And as I was thinking about that in the OR, I thought about you. And I remembered what God, what is said about God by Paul in Romans eleven twenty two. He says, note the kindness and the severity of God. 
So you have in the same verse two facets of God's personality, kindness. He's, he's the God who says, I desire mercy over sacrifice. I, I, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over justice. I want you to be compassionate. I love you. I will forgive you. I will lay my life down for you. I am kind. I'm the way and the truth and the life. And I'm, and I'm the shepherd and I'm the, I'm the lamb. And I'm, I'm just this gentle and lowly. When Jesus was asked about his own character, he said, I am gentle and lowly of heart. And that's a, a great book too, Dane Ortland, Gentle and Lowly, that you should read about who Jesus really is. So you get this kind, generous, compassionate, merciful, gracious God who, yeah, when he's asleep in the boat, but he is still there with you and he'll wake up. And then this severe God, this God who will punish his enemies, who will fight the fight, who will take the fight to the enemy, even to death, and, and fight hell and overcome the grave. This powerful God who can speak and cataclysmic universal things happen. Light is formed. And he takes his hands and he builds universes and galaxies and he sets the boundaries for the oceans and he speaks to the wind and stops the storm. He is severe and he is powerful. And that's why C.S. Lewis, when the little girl said, is, is he safe about the lion? The, the character says, no, he's not safe, but he's good. So you got this God who's powerful and mighty and judgmental and, and ruler and all those things. He's severe, but he's also kind. He knows when to stop the curette. He knows when to stop the drill. He's not going to tear the nerve because he's got this great finesse. Look, life in all its danger and peril and sword still has the tender love of God. Remember, we have this God who Paul says about him in Romans eight thirty five: Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? That's the kind of God we serve. He's always there with us in the midst of all that stuff. Get this, friend. Life is hard. It's sometimes awful. But down in that mess, in the muck, remember two, two episodes ago I talked about how Moses had to go up into that scary mountain where there was cloud and fire and thunder and lightning. That's where God was. Because if we go into the darkness and press in through the mess, that's where we meet our powerful Savior Jesus. He's got the juice to calm the storm with a word. But he also has the tenderness to lay it all down for you and let them nail his hands to the cross for you and for me, for all of us. And one way to remember the difference and one way to find the balance between those two things in the pocket, between being all about you and being lost in this massive, massive humanity is to remember this. Jesus didn't die for all of us. He died for each one of us. If you were the only one, friend, if you were the only one that ever sinned and needed his help, he still would have died just for you. And that's really the punchline of the rabbi's story that Kelly Corgan told. You know which pocket to reach into in a given situation, whether you need to remember who you are or to remember that you're all in this together with everybody else. But the reason that you have to remember, the thing that's important is to remember that they're both true. They're both true. It sounds like a paradox, but they're both true. We often want the power. We want God to rain down fire. We want God to come through with the big miracle, to remove the tumor, to save the day, to give us the power. In baseball, we pray for the home run, right? We, we want the big hit, the, the grand slam that wins the game and everybody walks off and all of it's great. But we forget that getting hit by a pitch will get you on base too. And sometimes you got to go through something hard to, to reach the goal that you're trying to get to. You get hit by a pitch, you're still on first base and you're still in the game and you still have a chance. You didn't get the power, you got the pain 
And the finesse is you're still on base. You still have a chance, even though you went through something hard. And understand it's trouble. It is not good if you only have power and no finesse. If you think about a God that was only about justice, you wouldn't want that world. Everybody's talking about justice right now. We go to Twitter and everybody's talking about justice and reparation. I gotta, you gotta fix this. You gotta pay for, you gotta apologize to me and you gotta fix this deal that happened a long time ago. Everybody's talking about justice. That's the power. Okay. But nobody's talking about finesse. Nobody's talking about the fact that if we only had power, if we only had a God who was all about justice, none of us would stand a chance. We have to rely on the fact that he loves mercy too and he loves forgiveness and he loves healing and he loves restoration. It's not all about power. If you're a parent and you're all about power, you're going to raise some kids who are afraid, who aren't comfortable in their own skin. They're going to be worried about life bringing them hardship. You've got to have some mercy and some tenderness in your heart as a parent. You've got to have some ability to dial it back and speak in, to speak life and some hope and to remind them who they are and give them some understanding that they are special and unique and not just hoping that they behave a certain way. You better dial that power back and find some finesse. But you also can't just have the finesse. I can't just be the little delicate surgeon who goes around kind of teasing nerves around a little bit. I've got to have the power to break that bone spur off or the pain's going to continue. I have to have the, the, the guts to go into the hard places and do the hard things as a surgeon or I can't benefit my patient and they'll still have, they'll still hurt and they'll still fail and they'll still be weak if I don't step up with power when I need to. Finesse alone is not enough. And remember, we have a God who does two things that sound opposite. In Joel 3.10, he says, beat your plowshares into swords and let the weak say, I am a warrior. We have a God who says, hey, sometimes you have to take this, this hoe that you're working with in the garden, and it's time to beat that thing with a hammer and turn it into a sword and go fight a battle. Sometimes you have to step up and pl- apply some power and turn your stuff in your hands into the weapons that you need to fight the battles. But the same God in Isaiah 2.4 says, they will beat their swords into plowshares. He will settle disputes. So you have a God, sometimes it says, hey, it's time, friend, to put the sword down. Turn it into something else. Turn it into a tool you can use in a different way to plant a garden or do some work. But it's time to stop fighting. And so God, we have this God who who sometimes turns ordinary tools into weapons to fight battles that need to be fought. And sometimes he takes the weapons and turns them back into ordinary tools and uses them to solve problems and help people and grow food and, and accomplish great things. Listen, God has a perfect balance of kindness and severity, of mercy and justice, of, of power and finesse. And I have to do that as a surgeon, and you have to do it in life. Don't forget, pray for the homer. It's okay to pray for the big miracle, but also understand that if you're getting hit by some pitches in your life, God still has a plan. And the finesse is you can still survive, and you can still score the run, and you can still win the game, you can still make it through. Kate Ballard said, listen, you need to live your life in such a way that if people are looking at it as a story, even if the hero dies in the end, it's still a great story. Right, I talked about Rupert Chang in my book, this gentleman who died of a brain tumor. 
and he had his family just they understood that he had lived out a great story and in the very end when he was facing death he stepped up to it and he said hey i really do believe that i'm going to heaven i really don't want to go through all this chemotherapy and radiation i, I just want to go home now, i believe what i've been telling my family that i believe he lived out a great story. And yeah, the hero died in the end. I'm sorry if that's a spoiler. If you haven't listened to my book yet, he, Rupert passes away. But he told a great story with his life. He lived in the balance between what's in the two pockets. He lived in the balance between power and finesse. And you can too, but you have to start today. Hey, thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode. And if you like the show, you'll love my weekly letter. Check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com, drleewarren.substack.com. Get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together via self-brain surgery, drleewarren.substack.com. And if you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at wleewarrenmd.com slash prayer. The theme music for the show is Make Us One by Tommy Walker, graciously provided for free by the great folks over at TommyWalkerMinistries.org. Check it out and consider supporting them, TommyWalkerMinistries.org. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and the good news is you can start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, friend. Have a great day.